0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Why don't you welcome Jane as she comes to share God's Word with us. Well, good morning, everybody. Could you um, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7? We're going to read from there, verse 36. a oh, wonderful presence of the Lord this morning. We're privileged to be in, such, in his presence in such a way. Okay. So the story of a sinful woman who anoints Jesus' feet. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she bought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, is that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had any money to pay him back, so he cancelled the debt of both. Now, which one of them loved him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came to your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? That even forgives sins. Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, the more observant of you that were here last week may have noticed that this is a scripture that Peter read out just before he preached last week. And I was sitting over there and I almost jumped to my feet saying, No, you can't. I'm, I'm using that scripture next week. <laughs> but Praise God, he obviously gave me a completely different message, but um, the text is the same. Now this story um, can be found in all, well, a story of of a woman anointing Jesus' feet can be found in all four of the Gospels, but Luke's account, this account, is slightly different. Um, In the other Gospels, the stories of Mary of Bethany anointing Jesus ready for his burial, but this story in Luke is is rather different. And it's simply about Jesus. It's about Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman. And I've always loved this, this story, especially the part where, where Jesus says of the woman that she loved much because she has been forgiven much. And that's always something that I've been able to relate to. I've, I've always known that I was forgiven my many, many sins. And, but when I was in Zimbabwe last year... I was just thinking about this story and it came to me in a whole different light and I'll talk a little bit about that later. But the first thing I noticed from this story is that the woman, she had a revelation of who Jesus was and she also had a revelation of who she was. A revelation, when we talk about a revelation, what what we're talking about is something that we've known, probably we've known all along, we've known in our heads, we've, we've understood but when you have a revelation, it's almost like it, it, you go, oh, I see, I understand that now. And it comes into your heart, and you really understand that's what a, re- a, re- a revelation can be. So This woman, she was compelled to come to Jesus' feet. She just had to get to him. She, she wasn't actually an invited guest at all. She just wanted to get to him and to worship him and to be with him. And she understood who he was when she got to him, she, she knew that he was the Messiah, the one they'd all been waiting for, and he was her saviour. And that caused her to worship him in this wonderful and beautiful way. She understood the condition of her soul, or we might say in this day and age, the Holy Spirit convicted her of her sin. She understood that she was a sinner and that she needed forgiveness. Now, when I came to, I came to Christ in the year 2000 quite a long time ago now it's coming up for 11 11 years and when I came to Christ I really understood that I was a sinner and that I needed I, I had to have my sins forgiven by Christ and from that day until this day and forever and ever I will be so grateful to Jesus that he took the wrath of God in my place he went to the cross for me he died where in my place so that when I die when I die if Jesus hadn't died for me I should have received the punishment that, des, that I deserve for my many sins and believe me they have been many but because Jesus died in my place I go I go free I will live with him forever and so I value what he did on the cross for me so most of my adult life, not, not all of you know this at all, I'd lived overseas, I'd lived um, in Israel in Cyprus for a period of, of 12 years. And at the age of about 30, I came back to the UK. I'd made a complete hash of my life, a complete mess of my life. And I came back, I was a single mum. I had a daughter who was 8 years old. And I had to start all over again. During that time, I was a... Um, I was a drinker, I drank alcohol, I drank every night. I just It was like I wanted to blot out all of, all of the rubbish in my life for a few hours every day so I wouldn't feel so bad. Along with that, I was a smoker, I smoked between 20 and 30 cigarettes a day. And I was in the process of leaving a life that was familiar to me, although I knew it was bad for me. Nevertheless, it was comfortable, so that caused me a, a great deal of stress. And um, I was not in a very good state at all. I had um, high blood pressure. I was, had to go on medication for high blood pressure at the age of 30. That's not very good. Um, and I used to have this terrible headache. It just felt like someone was pressing down on my head all of the time. And so I w- was just talking to a friend who I'd had um, when I was a teenager. And they told me that a church that we used to go to, um, that a the lady there was operating in the gift of healing. So the time, first time I went back to church was um, to receive healing. And I went along to this church. I was greeted very warmly. In fact, some people there um, invited me for, for dinner at their house that same week, which was amazing. And obviously, I was, I, came, I was coming back to a new place. My family were in Cambridge, and they were very, very good to me at that time. However, I didn't have any friends, and, um, but I found friends at that church, and it was amazing for me. So I kept going back. I kept going back. I, I wasn't healed, by the way. <laughs> that took a long time to come, and, uh, and and a lot of yeah, a lot of hard work on my part. Um, but I but I I received something that I wasn't actually looking for. I received friendship, and and a good church. Um, also during that time my sister christine who lives in sutton Coalfield, who some of you know she was very very good to me during that time too and i used to go and stay with her and uh and just have nice times with her and uh, one weekend we went off to her gym where where she she used to, she was a gym member and i um so i went off i didn't go to the gym but i found myself in the swimming pool and i was in just had a nice time relaxing and I'd heard the gospel at the church that I'd been going to, and and there one day um, in the year 2000, in the summer of 2000, I, in, the, in a jacuzzi of all places, <laughs> I, re- I committed my life to Jesus, and um, I can't remember all of the details or anything like that, but I confessed my sin to him, I realized that I was a sinner, and I needed him and I committed that day to follow Jesus for the rest of my life wholeheartedly and the Holy Spirit really did a number on me that day he took me and he he said come on it's time now it's time and as I look back over the the few months that led up to me leaving Cyprus and coming back to the UK I can see God's hand at work in in my life I wasn't a believer but he was drawing me to himself. And I believe that 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 drawing was the result of one woman's faithful and unrelenting prayers for me. So I just want to encourage any of you today, if you're praying for somebody and you don't see any results, I know she was praying for me for for six years until I finally yielded to to the pull of God. And um, so if you are If you are praying for somebody and you're not seeing any results, I just want to encourage you. Carry on. God is faithful. God knows. And the Psalm, Psalm 31 verse 15 says, my times are in your hands. And as I look back over my life, I see that my times were in God's hands and he was faithful to answer all of those prayers. So I've never looked back. I've been running the race ever since and I've always known that my many sins have been forgiven. And because of that, I have loved him much. Just like this story and this scripture. The road hasn't always been smooth. In the early days, I struggled so much. Um, I got a lot of things wrong. I still get things wrong today. But the fundamental knowing that my sins have been forgiven has been the strength of my walk with the Lord. And I re- but I recognise in all of that I've been hugely blessed. Um, some Christians can really struggle with, with not really grasping that, not really having that revelation like this woman had. And that can be a result of different things. It can be a, a result of the gospel not actually being preached well at first. The first time you heard it, the first time you responded to the gospel. Did you have promises given to you? Oh, if you just give your life to the Lord, everything will be fine. Everything will be rosy. And that's just not true. And when, and you can end up with lots of, um, cross Christians, (coughs) excuse me, if their false expectations aren't met. If you believe you'll become a Christian and everything's going to go smoothly for you, everything's going to be a walk in the park, then when troubles come, as they will come, you know, Jesus said in in the story about the storm, uh, about the foundations in the storm, he said when the storm comes, he didn't say if the storm comes. There's a storm coming, I'm afraid. It's not a very nice prophecy, but storms come and we need to know. And we need to know that. We need to go into Christianity knowing that storms are going to come. But the promise is that your sins can be forgiven, and you can live with Jesus forever. And the promise is that God, the Holy Spirit, will be with you forever through the storm. He won't take you out of the storm, but He will be with you through the storm. I sometimes get upset when um, I don't like angry Christians. <laughs> it's one of my uh, pet hates, really. But it's like a—you can just liken it to a fireman. He rescues you from a burning building and he's saved your life. And then afterwards you run up to him and say, thanks for saving me, but you let my coat burn. (laughs) Why did you do that? How could you do that to me? And that's what some Christians can be like. Oh, I know you saved me, but look at this situation in my life. Why aren't you doing anything about that? And we can come to God like that and that's really a very not acceptable to come to a holy God with that kind of attitude we really need to be careful how we approach God God also needs to to prune us God also he's interested in our characters what what are we like as people how do we represent Christ because we're, it says in the word of God that we're, we're his amb- ambassadors if we're his ambassadors how are we representing him if we're not doing so well then God will come and prune us um John John 15, In Jesus, Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. This weekend I did a bit of pruning myself in the garden, and I've got the marks on my hands to, to prove that. <laughs> um, I had some big rose bushes, they were getting really out of hand. And I decided that um, they needed a good pruning. They're now cut back to so high, and they look ugly and horrible. But I know that in the summer, they'll bear really good roses. They'll bear much good fruit. And sometimes God does that with us. He cuts off those things that aren't producing enough fruit. The, the Word of God says here, actually, every branch that does produce fruit, so even if we're producing some fruit... He wants to cut us back so that we'll be even more fruitful. So we have to let, God is sovereign, and we have to let him do what he likes with us, really. Um, but even if God never, ever, ever did anything for me except save me, that would be enough. I'll be grateful for that forever. Because he saved me from my sin. I will not come to God and say, why did you let my coat, coat burn? I will not come to God and say, I'm, I've been ill all these years. Why didn't you heal me? I will just come to God and say, thank you, Father. You saved me. And I will live with you forever and I will not face your wrath. And for me, that is enough. This week, in, um, we read in Second Corinthians 6 verse 10 in the, in the Bible reading program. Paul was talking about difficult things, and he said, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We may not have riches, we may not seem a success by the world's standard. We may seem like we have nothing, and yet in Christ, we possess everything that we need. We are so rich in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So... You might not have had the, the, the gospel preached very well to you, so you might have, you know, have that not-so-great understanding of, of how great God is. Also, sometimes you can, be, you can come to church for different reasons. Like I came to church the first time. I came because I wanted healing. You can come to church um, because, because you, you've always done it. You've always come to church, so that's why you come. And I think it's sometimes difficult for people who've always been a Christian, who were brought up in church, gave their life to Jesus when they were seven, filled with the Holy Ghost at ten, and never rebelled, and <laughs> life's perfect. But actually, they've never actually had that moment where they are seen, seen, oh, I'm a sinner. I need Christ to forgive me. I need, that, I need to, under, to, to have that. That I need to understand the cross of Calvary and, and, and do something about it. So if we do, if, if that's the place where some, of, where some of you are today, all we have to do is look in the, in the Bible for the answer. And Romans 7 verse 7 says, What then shall we say? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, do not covet. For the law teaches us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Some commandments that we can think about. Do we achieve these commandments? Jesus was asked, what are the most important commandments? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you do that? Do I do that? No, of course I fail i 'm unable to do to have that high attainment, so what i 've already failed that one to love my neighbor as myself, do I love other people more than I love myself? Do I think more of other people than I do myself? No because we 're all sel- i don 't because i 'm selfish we 're all selfish we all fail. The third commandment is you shall not m- misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord your for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. This is one commandment where, sadly, many Christians fall short. Some people think it's some Christians think it's okay to say "Oh my God" or to use Jesus as a as a swear word. And I really would appreciate us all tightening up on on this. And if you hear anybody saying that, please. Please just gently tell them it's not okay. What you're actually doing is using the name of God as a swear word. It's not acceptable and and we really should tighten up on that. So there we've seen we fail the laws of God very, very easily and we do need a sin, a saviour because we are all sinners. During the last, um, during the last year, during the weeks of fasting and prayer, we had some amazing times where the the presence of Jesus came so strongly. And in those moments, I understood, just had an encounter with God, just him and me, and everyone else was doing the same. Um, I understood in those moments how beautiful and how perfect and how holy Jesus is. And as a result of that, I understood my sinfulness. I'm not saying I had a vision or I heard an audible sound, but just knowing, just like this morning, we have known that the presence of God has been amongst us. And just moments like that, when you, when you understand the glory of Jesus, often you can understand the sinfulness of yourself. Like in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah had been appointed the great prophet, he was going around and he was saying, woe to you, and woe to you, and woe to you. But then he himself had an encounter with, an encounter with Jesus. He saw the Lord in all his glory, high and lifted up. He saw all of heaven worshipping him and giving glory to God. And what were his first words? Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And all... Isaiah cared about in that moment of seeing the Lord was his own sinfulness and his own unworthiness and that's what happens when we see the Lord for ourselves when we when we understand how amazing he is we understand that we're not so amazing actually and what is but but God shows us that not so that we'll go around for the rest of our lives with our heads hung down going woe is me woe is me. But that we would be driven to the Lord, that we be driven to him and understand that we need him, that we must have him. Because without him, we are nothing. So what does Isaiah do? He says uh, that the heaven comes and cleanses his lips, comes and cleanses him. And what does he do then as a result of that? He says, here I am, the Lord says, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Here I am, I am willing to go. And that's what we must be like. We must have our have our moment with God, have our understanding. We know we're not great, but once we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and then prepared for His service, then we can all say, "Here I am. Use me, please, use me, to the extension of Your kingdom." Hallelujah. And just as an aside, we were very encouraged by the amount of people that came out last. For the last week of fasting and prayer, you don't have to fast, you can just pray. Um, but do come, do come and join in. Those times are different from Sunday mornings. Those times are times when you, will, when you will encounter God in a different way. If you will seek him, you'll find him. That's the promise. That's what Phil brought this morning. Seek him now while he may be found. Seek him, know him for yourself. Because you can't have anybody else's relationship with God. You can only have your own. So that's my first point this morning. Just like this woman. The woman. It would would have been nice to have a name for her, wouldn't it? But she's just known as the woman who led a sinful life. This woman. Just like her. We need to know who he is. He's our savior. And if we understand who we are. We are sinful. We'll run to him. Because he is the all sufficiency. He, is our, he ha- has everything that we will ever need. So the woman had that revelation. But then we come to another character, Simon the Pharisee. He did not have a revelation of who Jesus was, and neither did he have a revelation of who he was. Simon the Pharisee thought much like some of us do today. He judged the woman in his heart. She is a sinner. And in doing so, he condemned himself. I think, I was going to say we often, but I think it's generally as a rule, we don't really understand that God knows everything. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? We sometimes think that we can hide, of course we can hide our thoughts from other people. You can't know what I'm thinking And neither can I know what you're thinking. But God knows everything and he always knows what we're thinking. And Peter, the the Apostle Peter, declared on the beach uh, in in John 21, Lord, you know everything. He knew that Jesus knew everything. And actually here in this story, um, the text says that, that Simon thought to himself or said to himself, he didn't say it out loud, but it says Jesus answered him. So even in this place, we see that Jesus, the the Christ, knew everything. And Simon thought actually very highly of himself, probably more highly of, of himself than he did of Jesus, because he didn't actually treat Jesus very well as a guest. And we'll look at that in a little while. But Simon didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't understand who Jesus was. And neither did he understand that he himself needed to be forgiven. We've been reading through the Bible this this year. And early on in the year we read from Matthew 7 verses 1 to 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a great big plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take out the plank in your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I think this is one of the most tricky parts of the Christian walk. As I said, no one knows what, what we think. But, but it's so easy to focus on other people's faults, on what other people are doing wrong, and we often think of, think of find ourselves spewing out rubbish that we really, really shouldn't be saying, or getting in a corner with somebody and saying, I really shouldn't tell you this, but, and out it all comes. And... But we really need to keep a tight rein on, on how we judge. Because the, it's quite clear here, as we judge, we too will be judged. And I don't want to be judged. I don't know about you, but I don't want it. You know, Jesus is quite clear in the teaching here that we have to be careful. We should perhaps pray that, that God would take that plank and knock us over the head with it now and again. And just remind us that we, that we mustn't judge others psalm 19 verse 14 is a beautiful verse says may these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart the thoughts of my heart be pleasing in your sight O lord my rock and my redeemer so i want to ask you this morning which category are you in are you in the category of the woman who knows that she's a sinner that she knows she must have jesus to forgive her or are you in the category of Simon, where you've not quite grasped your need of the Savior, and that we don't actually treat him as he deserves with, with, with what, you know, with the respect and the awe and the honor that he deserves. Which neatly brings me to my third point, that revelation, the revelation of who Christ is, brings true worship from us, will draw true worship from us. And although this woman wasn't educated, as educated as Simon, her etiquette was actually better than that of Simon. And as I said before, perhaps Simon didn't even think that much of Jesus. He invited him around just to, for the sake of having him there, because he thought it would be, it would be good to have Jesus there. But he didn't treat him with the common courtesy of the day. He didn't give him any water for his feet. He didn't greet Jesus with a kiss. He didn't put oil on his head. Now you think it was a bit funny if I came round if you came round to my house and I put some oil on your head and made your hair all greasy. You probably wouldn't like that. But in that day it was it was the expected thing to do. But although the woman wasn't an invited guest, she entered the house anyway, and she knelt at Jesus' feet. In that day it was customary to recline at the table to to lie down and stick your feet out, which <laughs> which I think is a bit funny, but that's what they did. They propped themselves up with that one elbow and lay and lay there eating. So the woman could have easily got to Jesus' feet in order to without approaching the table, so it wouldn't have been that obvious that she was there. But I th- um. So, but when I was in Zimbabwe, this story really came to life for me. And until now, I've always had the privilege of, wherever I've le- lived, of having running water. But when I was in Zimbabwe, I knew that that wasn't going to be the case. I am um, quite vain, I suppose, in that every morning I get up, I wash, and I have a shower, and I have to dry, blow dry my hair. If I can't blow dry my hair, I'm, I'm not a happy person at all. And I remember once Peter and I hadn't been married long, and we were, I was going for an interview in Bradford um, for Christians Against Poverty. And I'd washed my hair, I was all ready, and I couldn't find the hairdryer anywhere, and I got, I got very upset. I was stressed anyway. I don't like interviews, so I was super stressed, and then I couldn't find the hairdryer. And Peter said, "Oh, it doesn't matter. You can just go as you are." I was going, "No, I'm just going to look stupid all day long." <laughs> so. I was quite, that's that's how I am. I like to have my hair done. And uh, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> anyway, when I knew that I was going to Zimbabwe, I'd been told that I wouldn't have running water. And so I went prepared. I had my hair cut very, very short, so I could just tuck it behind my ears. And I managed to go three or four days without any without a shower. I probably smelt a bit, but, but anyway, <laughs> I managed. But day by day, as we were walking around in Zimbabwe... I I was wearing sandals, and going through the red Zimbabwean soil, and my feet became very, very grubby. And when I noticed that, I began to think of this story of the woman, and it came to me in a whole new light. And I think the woman in the story probably had long hair, not like my short hair. But I began to think of myself, as the woman in this story. And if I'd come to Jesus' feet after he'd been walking for days in the dust, how intimate an act it would have been for me to kneel at his feet and to spill my tears of love and worship onto those feet, to wipe his feet with my hair in order to clean them To kiss his feet, not caring if they were dirty or clean, but just because I valued him for who he was. And to love him as if nothing else mattered. Didn't matter who else was there for this woman. She didn't care who was there. She just loved him and valued him and, and wanted him for herself. And I'd never imagined that before. But I think that, and it's interesting how the worship went this morning, we need to come to a place where we don't care about what anyone else thinks. We don't care who sits to the left or to the right of us as we worship our Saviour, the one who saved us from all of our sins, that amazing act of salvation. But how often, in fact, do we come like Simon the Pharisee? How often do we take the presence of Jesus for granted? I've always said, and I will always say, that that, that in this place, Jesus comes in such a sweet, special way, and as he does in many other churches, but I, I just value his presence in this place so much. Often we come into worship with how we feel, Oh, I don't, I'm tired today I don't think I'll really join in that much I, but we can't afford to be like that in the presence of the king if we truly understand who he is and what he's done for us we must give him our all I, I was just thinking this morning about the word worthy it's a word that is not really used in the, in the English language that much I was just thinking this morning, what does, it, what does the word worthy mean? Because we, we sing it a lot, don't we? We say, Jesus, you're worthy. But what does that mean? Well, if you say to some, something you're worthy, it means you're worth. The, the root of that word is worth. So when we say to Jesus, you're worthy, we're saying you're worth something. You're of value to me. You're worthy. And we must say to him, you're worth everything to me. When we say you're worthy, you're worth everything to, ha- to me. You're, everyth- you're everything I need. And I love you. There was once a, a story of a young man, Russian man, who, had be- who was a concert pianist. And he'd learnt, um, he'd, his mentor had been the best. The best in the world. And he had turned out to be the best in the world himself. And he'd go worldwide, um, giving these amazing concerts. And wherever he went, the, the house was sold out. And, it was, and he, as, he, as he finished his, the concert, there'd be tumultuous applause. And, but his mentor would always travel with him. And he'd be up in the, in the box up there. So the, the, the young pianist would take his bow. And, he'd, and But that didn't mean anything to him. All the applause didn't mean anything to him. Until he looked up to see his mentor and his mentor gave him a nod to say, yeah, well done. You've done a good job. And that's how we must be with Jesus. We must live before an audience of one. Live before him. It's, it matters what he thinks of our worship. It matters what he, if he receives our praise. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It only matters what Jesus thinks. That, he, and, that and, and you know, he, he loves our praise. And he's not, never going to criticize us for not praising him well enough, but he deserves that praise. And if if you find it difficult to, to praise and to enter into worship, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to show you Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his fullness. So if if you find that hard, just say, Holy Spirit, please help me to see Jesus as he truly is. Help me to see him. Help me to have a new revelation of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will answer that prayer because it's according to his will. He wants to do that kind of thing for you. So this woman came to Jesus and she wanted his approval, but she only wanted his approval. She didn't want, care about what anyone else in the room thought of her. And she wanted his forgiveness. Because if you remember, she was a woman who had lived a sinful life. And she received that forgiveness because of her faith in him. It wasn't because of, um, it wasn't because of her act of love that she received the forgiveness, but her act of faith, her act of love showed Jesus that he, that she had faith in who he was. That she recognised and had had that revelation of who he was, and because of that, her sins were forgiven. She understood that he alone could make her clean. So, as I close, I just like like us to think of those three points that that I've looked that I've brought this morning. Have we had a revelation of the of the true sinfulness of our Of our own lives. And have we had a a revelation of who Jesus is? Or are we still full of religion and, and tradition like the Pharisee was? Not understanding the glory of who Jesus is. And as you understand who he is and as you receive that revelation. Then do you, have you moved into a place where you worship him with everything that you have and I'm not talking about worship isn't just when we come to church on a Sunday worship should be with the way we live our lives before him where we should where every where we when we can be obviously if you're at work you shouldn't be you should be thinking about your work you shouldn't be thinking about Jesus but in those private times that you have throughout the day does your mind go to Jesus do you love him do you adore him do you spend the time that you that you can with him